This podcast is recorded on the traditional territory of the Coast Salish people. I express my gratitude to the Keitsi, Kwantlen and Stolo nations and value the opportunity to learn, live and share educational experiences from this traditional territory. This is the Fizz Edcast with your host, Nathan Horn. Hi, Mikhail. Thanks for joining us today on the Phys Ed Cast. I'm really excited about the conversation that we're about to have. For those people that aren't aware of you and your work and where you're based, can you give us a little bit of background um, into yourself? Yeah, sure. Hi, it's really nice to be on your podcast. My name is Mikael Kvennerstedt and, and my background is I'm, I'm, a, I'm a trained PE teacher and I was working in school and mainly in primary school, actually, as a teacher. And then I started teaching in teacher education teacher education as a teaching assistant i did gymnastics outdoor ed skiing dance and after a while i started my phd and i wrote a phd called translate i wrote in swedish but it's, it's translated learning health and from there on i've been interested in issues of pe and health and learning theory and different things in physical education and the last say 10 years i've mainly done research and uh, in my work at the university in sweden Okay, nice. And Urbro is whereabouts in Sweden for people who are... It's in the middle of Sweden. It's two hours west of Stockholm, the capital. It's the middle of Sweden in terms of population, but in the south of Sweden in terms of... But in Canada, that everybody lives in the south and not so many people in the north. (laughs) Yeah, I've been lucky enough. I was actually spent a Christmas in Stockholm probably about 10 years ago now, and I really enjoyed my time there. But didn't make it to Urbro, but maybe next time I I get over that way. So you mentioned that you started as a physical education teacher. What was that experience like? What what was physical education like for you when you were teaching? I I love teaching. As I said, I was mainly in primary or kids up to 12. And I really love that. The joy of kids coming to the gym, doing different things, turning the light down, getting the gear out and pretending that you're in the jungle and moving like different animals in terms of movement and stuff like that. And and just doing many crazy things with them and, and wonderful things and trying to provide meaningful physical education and movement experiences. I, I love teaching with kids and it was really good experience to to have going into research and doing that kind of teaching it was a rural school in sweden and but i I really love teaching yeah yeah and so then when you did go into research what i guess was the the motivation behind going into the research field well it's different things i think it's a lot of coincidence too as i said they i was teaching in school and i wanted to do something i started reading uh doing more in higher education in doing my my would be now a master's in education and then I moved in they, they asked me if I wanted to did some hours of teaching I started teaching dance and then outdoor ed and then skiing and then uh, some ball games and, and then I worked half time at university and, and, and 50% in school and then after a while they asked do you want to go into to research and finish do a PhD and I said like, yeah well, this could be fun so I it just Things happened. I was in the right place at the right time, I think, and got the opportunity to go into a PhD. And I really loved 
I've been teaching since '94 here at the university in different areas, so it's many years, over 25 years. But then That's moving great. more and more into research, and, and as you move into academia, you become associate professor, and now I'm a professor since what is it, seven years back. And so, so I, I love teaching, but I love research, and yeah, you can't do it all. Yeah, I think I think for my, yeah myself, as we, we talked about earlier, like I'm just finishing off a master's degree, and and one of the things that I've really enjoyed about that process is yeah reading research and then thinking about how that research applies to my practice as well and the kids that i see every day in in that research i've come across quite a bit of your research and it's something that sort of jumped out to me so i wanted to reach out to you and and chat a little bit about it so you talked about doing a phd and roughly translated into english like teaching health what was that sort of i guess thesis or your final project around teaching health what was the the, that research what came out of that uh, a lot of things I'm, I'm still doing it comes out on my phd actually it, it's there i've started reading about cellulogenic health theory it was there i started reading about educational theory in john dewey's work i did a particular study on pe it was actually a text study on assessment and local curriculum documents and assessment documents a teacher wrote in their schools but I looked at discourse, what discourses of physical education were part of that, what discourses of health. And one, one of my conclusions, I think, too few people had picked up, actually, from that one, was that I think that PE teachers work more with health than they are aware of themselves. They did lots of wonderful things, but when I asked them about what do you do? Re- when I looked at what did you do regarding health, then it was issues of more physical activity, avoiding risk, and hygiene, and, and showering, actually. Not all the wonderful things about motor development or skills or social development or being out in the outdoors. They didn't relate those to health. So my conclusion is they teachers work more with health than they understand themselves. A little bit roughly. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting place to think about because, yeah, I I don't know. Like, in I I grew up in Australia, which I think is very similar to Canada, where I am now in terms of the way that health is integrated into the curriculum. That a lot of that focus or, or responsibility falls upon the physical education teacher to teach health. And I think from a traditional standpoint, it's often been taught in a very content heavy nutrition maybe you're looking at some sexual education fitness sort of lens is that similar to how things traditionally have been done in sweden i would say that in in sweden of course our subject physical education is called idrott och hälsa which actually translated as sport and health but pe and health if you translate, we don't have the word education in the name in sweden but still it's mainly PE, the Australian curriculum with HPE, like a strand of health education and a strand of physical education. In Sweden, we have health in four school subjects. It's PE, it's in home economics, it's in science education and in social studies. So health is divided between those four. So it depends on which subject it is. And of course, in, in PE, it's mainly around movement, outdoor education, but the idea is that it should be quite wide health perspective in that, but focus on activity and movement. 
Yeah, and I think reading some of your papers, you talk about, and you mentioned it already, that sort of salutogenic approach to physical education as opposed to a, to a pathogenic approach. Can you explain to the listeners a little bit about the differences between those two approaches? Yeah, sure. It's it's mainly in the words of pathogenic. Pathos is disease and genic means origin. So if you have a pathogenic approach, you, you are interested in to to understand or cure or prevent risk or disease. It's about understanding the origins of disease. A salutogenic, salus means well-being or something similar. So the origins of well-being is the interest. So you're interested in, in, in what happens there. And already in, if you look at World Health Organization's definitions of health, but, but I think one of the best ones is from the Ottawa Charter from 86, where they wrote that health is created and lived by people within the settings of their everyday life, where they learn, work, play, and love. I think that is a beautiful, which is something else than avoiding risk and disease. Then, of course, it's not that we shouldn't have pathogenic perspective, because going to the hospital with, with, with a broken leg, you want them to be pathogenic. That shouldn't be part of maybe physical education with kids and young people. Then we should need another kind of health idea or perspective. So I'm, I'm not saying that this is health. I think this is a reasonable way to look at health when we work with young people and movement. And of course, it's instead of looking at health as the opposite of disease, I think a pathogenic. Antonovsky, who coined the salutogenic, said that Everybody has health, more or less. So it's about understanding how do we move toward more health and how do we avoid moving towards less health. So it's not that disease isn't or risks isn't interesting because, of course, certain diseases or risks or whatever moves us toward less health. But it's not the opposite in that sense. So it's about what can move young people towards the better health. And then it's... It can be many things. It can be, can be a reasonable motor development. It could be meaningful physical activities. It could be achieving your goals in life. It could be social aspects. It could be spiritual aspects. So many other things are moving people toward that end. I, I would say that's yeah, the I... difference between a salutogenic and a pathogenic. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. And I guess my question around that is then, and, and one of the things that you wrote in one of your papers was that in a lot of Western physical education concept contexts, health is often connected to that sort of aerobic capacity, body mass index, ideal body shape. And why do you think that is? And then how does that, I guess, the if, if you want to take a more yeah. salutogenic approach, how do we get away from that yeah. um, mantra that's dominating things? Yeah. And those notions of health, which is pathogenic, and they could be from a medical perspective, but also sometimes from a moral perspective. Of course, how people look and what kind of body you have is a mix between medical, but also moral aspects of that. And if you look at it historically, as in Sweden and in other countries, homosexuality was regarded as a disease in a pathogenic way. And of course, that is a moral aspect of and then now we have the body shape and, and, and body weight as the same kind of moral idea of, of health. But I think it's about talking about and understanding that we can view 
uh, health differently. We are affected about this dualistic notion of disease versus health. We live in the Western countries with 400 years of dualistic thinking. It's not easy to just move out of that. But it's about talking about and discussing and stopping and thinking and reflecting about, okay, what is health for me here? And, and taking taking an explicit stance. This is how I view health. This is the way I want to work with health with kids in my school. And for me, it's a salutogenic way. It's a much more fruitful way working with young people than a pathogenic one because they are less interested in if they have a higher risk of diabetes type 2 when they're 60 than we are from an from a adult perspective. But I think it's about, we need to ask those kind of different questions. And if you ask a question to, to, to PE pathogenically, it's about how can we use activity and movement to prevent overweight or future disease or premature death, which is, an of course, from a societal level, an important question. But selectogenically, we ask how can physical activity be used to strengthen people's resources? It could be social, psychological, spiritual, yeah, so forth, different kinds of resources. And going back to my thesis, a lot of the, the teachers in my study worked quite a lot of basic motor development, running, crawling, jumping, and so forth, but they never connected that to health. For me, of course, basic motor development is the basic is one of the basic resources for movement. So why isn't that a health issue? For me, that is a health issue which is more important than moderate to vigorous activity here and now in order to burn more calories. Yeah. So if you see what I mean. And of course, a basic fitness is, of course, also in a salutogenic perspective. If, if you're not fit, if, if we question mark around that, but fit enough to do what you want to do in life, of course, that affects your movement towards more health. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a great point. It's something that, like myself, even I'm reflecting on the way that as a young teacher and as a beginning teacher, maybe I taught that that fitness component of, of physical education in a much different way than I teach it now. And in the last couple of years, I've definitely been trying to to get that message across to kids that you know, like fitness really is just being able to do all of the things that you want to be able to do. If you want to go out and play with your friends, it's being able to go and play with your friends. If you want to be able to jump higher than the next person, then it, it's that. It really fitness is, is yeah. what you make it and, and making your body be able to do the things that you want to do. Is that and not fitness becomes to fit into a certain norm of a certain body type or way to look, then I have huge problems with the word fitness yeah. if and it's I, about fitting in. Yeah, exactly. And I think then we get into that whole, we could go in a completely different direction here in terms of media's influence on all of that as well. So there's so many different competing factors, I think, to as to why things have been done, maybe the way that they have. You touched on something in the last little bit that you were speaking about, and, and it made me think of that individual experience that students may have, and that maybe the way that we have taught health in the physical education context in the past really maybe has taken that individual aspect away and tried to force everybody into the same content and the same ideals. How do we, I guess, make the way that we teach health more individualized and meaningful for every individual? 
it's there's there's of course no general answer to that because we live in different countries there are different experiences there are many categories it's gender sexuality religion class everything that needs to be taken but as long as we have an idea of a pedagogical plurality where it's possible to become healthy in different ways and we're not deciding as adult that this is the correct way to be healthy then of course salutogenic perspective isn't an anything goes perspective of course we can say that drugs is probably not good for you in the long run but I, in one of my papers I asked the question is alcohol good for people's health yeah it depends uh, if that <laughs> glass of wine or that beer with my friends yeah it might be good for my health but not for my friend the alcoholic or not from a public health perspective so it, it we need to understand that everything depends but we need to understand that we need to ask the question what does it depend on and work from that and it depends on different things from different people from different cultures from different backgrounds so that's how can we facilitate that kind of plurality that of course needs to be socially just we should do no harm it shouldn't be at the expense of some of the kids and there are a lot of things going on for me a salutogenic perspective makes physical education much much more complex but much much more interesting i wrote a book chapter a couple of years ago starting from a salutogenic perspective that i called warning physical education can seriously harm your health which of course is is i played with that in terms of if we do it like this and we know that at least from our studies in sweden that about 10 to 20% of the kids when they finish school pe has made them feel more insecure about themselves uh, they have a, a worse idea of their own possibilities with their body they feel clumsy they feel uh, and so forth then it probably would be better for the health not going to pe at all if that is what we do so we need to how, how do we reach all kids and yeah, that's that's a complex question for me yeah and i think you raise a, a, an interesting point in terms of it definitely does make things more complex in terms of for your your physical education teacher in front of a class it's very easy just to roll out the same content we're going to look at nutrition we're going to talk about calories and fats and we're going to roll out this content that's a really easy way and it's a safe it's a safe space for a lot of physical educators but to take that selenogenic approach and i guess be, be more mindful of individuals and questioning and and maybe taking a more like inquiry approach towards health can be be quite a scary thing but i think from what you're saying is that if we can look at health as a journey rather than as a destination then where i guess we've taken that first step in in terms of moving away from that sort of pathogenic approach yeah and, and as i wrote in one of my papers i'm thinking about health as a verb rather something you do rather than something you are as an adjective or a particular thing as a noun if we say health is something we constantly do and become then okay what how do i teach p then yeah rather yeah, and than I think, something I think, fixed yeah Yeah. And I think it, you could quite easily 
substitute the term physical literacy right now and and the same sort of sentiment could be shared because a lot of people like you see a lot of organizations for example saying like we are going to make you physically literate and at the end of this you'll be physically literate but we also know that's a journey that is always changing even as we get into our later years i've done a study of that concept too yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've got a lot of you got a lot of interesting papers out there to dig into. I guess one of the big questions that I guess I have for you is you talked a little bit about in Sweden health falling within four different areas of the curriculum there into social sciences yeah. and science and home economics and physical education. I think in many countries that responsibility for teaching health really does fall very heavily within the physical education space and maybe doesn't fall into other areas of the, the yep. curriculum. What, what do you think is that responsibility for PE teachers? Do you think that all of that responsibility should be placed upon the PE teachers or does it need to be a more holistic approach from a lot of different areas? Well, physically, PE can't do everything, of course. We, we might have two or three times a week maximum. And if we're responsible for young people's whole health, if we take the wide perspective, that's, of course, an impossible mission to take on. But And then different countries have different... Australia have the different strands in HPE. Finland has one health education and one physical education, and there are quite differences. But what's the reasonable expectation we can have on, on, on physical education? Yeah, we can... It's reasonable that we have a responsibility providing positive movement experiences within a variety of movement cultures in a socially just way. But it's not reasonable to solve issues of obesity or that everybody should be more physically active. And as I said, we should have a responsibility to do no harm in movement and physical activity, to be inclusive, to working with democratic forms of teaching, social relations and so forth. So, But it depends on how we view health. We can't take, of course responsibility for every dietary choice they make or that they know everything about uh, public health in society and and what sometimes uh, the knowledge about about the, the healthcare system that's not our job it's other subjects job to do that and for me it's about the cooperation if i would see a swedish school that cooperated between science education social science p home economics and of course a school nurse doing something together with of course then, of course, in a salutogenic perspective, learning how to read and write is probably one of the major health resources we have. If it's about moving towards better well-being, reading and writing and digital literacy is as important as, as that. And, 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 and sometimes it's better not to... Me and Louise McQuaig wrote a paper. We called it Health by Stealth. It's about if you don't want to... If you want to learn anything about the person's health, don't mention the word. Because mm-hmm. as soon as you ask about health, they're going to talk about physical activity and dietary choices and maybe drugs. But ask them about, okay, how do you live a good life in your community? Then you get to know what a person's health is about. So sometimes the word health limits us. But as I said, PE can only do what we're good at. And that's movement and movement cultures and movement experiences and, of course, outdoor life or whatever is in the curriculum in that particular country. 
Yeah, I think it's you make great points, and it's something that that I've been really like thinking about and trying to work with my school and my team. We have seven seven PE teachers in in my team at my school, and we've been exploring, I guess, the the comprehensive school health or health promoting schools approach, and looking at our school and thinking about yeah, we can't do it all as a team of seven of us. We can't do that, and and looking at that comprehensive school health framework and realizing that we need to pull in administrators, parents, um, community members, students, and really look as a community at how can we make this place that we all exist in and for a large majority of our week a, a better place, a healthier place, a place where people enjoy coming. And we're really lucky that our school, our school's mission statement, and this was one of the things that drew me to the school, the school's mission statement is learning to live well with others and for others in a just community. Yeah. It lends itself really well to that, to all of those things that, that you're talking about in terms of thinking about how can I be well um, as an individual, but how can we all be well together as a community? And I think if we can get away from that really content-driven approach to health as health being something that the teacher holds the information and gives the information to the students and then they're expected to keep that information and try to work out how to actually use that information in a meaningful way, that's where I think you, you get that disengagement, you get kids not really caring about 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 it at all whereas if we look at it more of how do we actually all just get along and how do we enjoy being in the space we're in whether that's from a physical education standpoint whether that's from just being a community member i think that that for me is is where i would like to see things go yeah definitely that's uh, antonovsky used often the, the metaphor of the swimmer in the river to understand this and it's the the, the moving towards better health is a swimmer moving up the river and of course you can try to change the swimmer but you can also change the river. And a settings-based approach that you're talking about, like the Healthy Schools initiatives and such, then you work with the river and the relation between the swimmer and the river, more than trying to telling the swimmer what to do and not to do. So it's that kind of relation we'll always need to look at, the relation between the swimmer and the river, and how do we first stay in the same place in the river to keep the well-being we have now, but how can we move Everybody doesn't have to move upwards, of course, but just staying in one place can be difficult enough for some kids. Yeah, I think it's a, a really great metaphor to, to use. I'm conscious of, of not taking up too much of your time, and I, I, I want to, again, thank you. But I normally finish my podcast with three questions that I ask all of the guests that I have on here. So they're quick questions and a little bit of fun. So just, I guess, answer the first thing that comes to your mind or, or just, just quick answers. So my first question that I always ask is, what is something that people don't know about you, Mikhail? Do you have any secret passions or skills that, that people don't know about you? I can say a smaller one and, and a slightly bigger one. The, the smaller one is my passion is I don't come from sport, actually. I come from music. I played the clarinet and saxophone. Now I'm trying to learn how to play the electric guitar uh, to, to my teenage daughter's despair. But that's music is my passion in that sense. My bigger one, and I need to mention it because it's a relation to Canada, actually. Before I started teaching, going into teaching, I was working as in tourism as a tour operator and travel agent on a company called Tour Canada. So oh. I specialized in, in, I brought thousands of Swedish people to Canada 
uh, end of 80s, beginning of, uh, beginning of 90s. But I moved into teaching because Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait and suddenly I was out of a job because nobody traveled. So I was out of a job and started substituting as a PE teacher for a year oh, and wow. thought, this was great fun. This is what I want to do with my life. So I went into teacher education a couple of years later. So actually, my dad, on when I finished my PhD on the reception afterwards, he said, we all have Saddam Hussein to thank for this PhD thesis. And he explained <laughs> that story. So... My connection to Canada is quite, I've been to Canada about 10 times and I've been probably been to places most Canadians haven't been to. I've been horseback riding from Saskatoon and west towards the Rockies and I've been to oh, Vancouver wow. a couple of times and, and I've, been, I've, been, I've been all over the Canada actually. So. That's great. That's an amazing story. I think like mm-hmm. we all have Saddam Hussein to thank for all of your <laughs> fantastic <laughs> research work. So I wasn't expecting that at all. It's interesting that you uh, mentioned uh, music as well, because I ask, whenever I ask this question to academics, I, I've asked other academics like Doug Gleddy and Tim Fletcher this question, and I've asked the teachers this question. And, and a lot of people from that PE world often talk about art and music and yeah. creativity as being yeah. their sort of second passion or secret passion. I think it's a really interesting thing that we would be maybe viewed by society as these sporty athletic jocks almost but uh, a lot of PE people have that sort of like creative sort of passion in their background as well I'm always I I also myself yeah I love I I taught myself to play the guitar and have that sort of creative music instinct as well yeah interesting all right we got two more quick questions the second one is you have a uh, I'm going to give you a round trip in a time machine you can go forward or back in time. You can visit anywhere or anyone. Where would you go? What time period? Who would you see? That's a really difficult question. I wouldn't like to go forward in time because I don't know. I don't want to know anything about the future. I would, but so it must be back, and probably a lot of people you would like to see. But probably would some. One thing I would like to do, go to myself when I was 13 and say that, well, all will turn out well later on. <laughs> or maybe go to Nelson Mandela and visit him in prison and say that, well, all will probably turn out well in the end. It's tough yeah. now. But so stuff like that, maybe. Okay. All right. Good answer. And then the last question, you have two choices here. So you can either have a billboard that will go up in every city of the world with a message on it or... 60 seconds on TV with the whole world watching. What is the message that you would share with the world if you had that opportunity to speak to everybody? I'll probably do this 60 seconds because I have too much to say probably for a billboard. And I will stick to what I'm, I'm doing in my work. You could answer world peace and stuff like that. But from, if we look at PE, I would probably have 60 seconds talking about that high quality PE starts in trusting teachers and the art of teaching and but for that to happen we need to recognize and reclaim the E in physical education the educational part and which I've talked about in in other areas it's about for me the only reasonable aim for physical education is more physical education it's not more physical activity it's more physical education. If I, as a PE teacher, learn that the kids I have been teaching are trying to educate themselves over and over again 
throughout their lives or regarding movement, that would be fantastic. So my, my message would be more physical education throughout life. And, and then I would be happy. I think that's a great way to, to wrap things up. And I couldn't agree with you more. I think that often we can forget that E, that the E is there to guide us and help us remember that, that what we're doing is not just getting kids moving to, to get them sweaty, but also providing them with those meaningful movement experiences and getting them to see movement as something that they want to include in their life as they you know leave school. Because we know that once they leave our classrooms and they go out into the real world as adults, that we want them to be able to feel confident and confident enough to be able to engage in physical activity for the rest of their life, not yeah. just in a gymnasium when they're at school. Thank you so much um, for, for sharing with us today. I've really enjoyed this conversation and I feel like we could have gone on, on off on a few different tangents and talked about a few different things, but thank you for, for talking a lot about health today with me. For those people that uh, want to get in contact with you or like resources or find out more about the work that, that you do, what's the best way for people to, to contact you or to find out more about you? If looking up research, I have my webpage from my university. My, nobody has my name other than me in the world, so that's quite easy <laughs> to find. To Google me, there are all my publications. It's a Google Scholar page and I also have a Twitter account where I tweet about research sometimes then of course my my work email is is also open for to contact me to for anything related to my research in that sense so it's quite easy to find me in that sense <laughs> yeah i'll make sure that i link link your your google scholar page and and your your twitter account sure. and stuff right. in the show notes right. for this people are looking for for that information just check out in the show notes and we'll i'll make sure that you can access them Mikhail, i want to thank you again so much for sharing with us i've really enjoyed this conversation and hopefully we get the chance to to connect again sometime in the future thank you thank you again so much for listening to our episode today if you have enjoyed this episode just do me a favor and share it with one other person that you think might be interested in hearing it I- could ask you to rate and review and do all of those things that you hear on most podcasts but i think the best thing to do is just talk to somebody about this episode tell them about it let them know that it's a good listen if you found it that way and share it with them and that's the best way for us to be able to get this show out to more and more people thanks again i've been nathan horn from ifized.com and this has been the phys ed cast mm-hmm.